Here at Miss Teacher Mom, we recognize the great privilege and responsibility that we have as parents to educate our children. Beyond math and phonics, this also includes building their characters, molding their hearts, and reaching their souls. A burden too big to carry on our own. We sense the call to missional motherhood, but we could use some help from those who have more experience and wisdom than us. So we're calling upon some wonderful godly women and men to encourage and equip us as we seek to raise our kids with eternity in mind. This week we're hearing from Chrissy in part two of our three-part series on raising lifelong readers. Today, Chrissy is going to share how we can practically raise our kids to love reading. So you're in for a treat, mamas. My husband and I didn't grow up reading books, so we honestly have no idea how to really cultivate a love for reading in our girls. Uh, We're winging it, and I know we're our own worst critics, but what have you and JD practically and intentionally done so that your kids have grown up loving books and reading? Oh my goodness. This has been, that, that has been something on my heart from the very minute that kids came into my home <laughs> was I wanted to make them readers and my older three are all adopted. So they were coming from very different scenarios and different, just lo- different perspectives and different backgrounds. And yet I just wanted to meet all of, all of them in that place where we all could get together and just love reading. So that was something I put a, just a lot of time and prayer over because I, I just felt like there was so much fr- like fruit and, and goodness that could be had from that kind of a lifestyle. But you know, what I came to, the conclusion I came to in the beginning was I didn't want to focus on cultivating a love for reading, but I wanted to meet their greater need that books can meet, which is cultivating relationships. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the magic of books, that, that we need to kind of see that and realize that that is what's going to make them attractive. I, I, it's not necessarily, you know, words on a page that's going to grab their heart, but it's the fact that we can, we can read these together and they can have relationships both with each other. We can have relationships in our family. Like we read, uh, we go through read alouds in our own home. My husband, JD will read to them at night, or I read a lot to them during the day. And we are just connected by those stories. It gives us a, it gives us a really dynamic relationship with our kids. We have lots of inside jokes. Um, I mean, just the things we nicknames we have for each other, things we might name household objects. We'll go on, when we go on walks, we go outside. Everything is exciting. Everything is, is a potential for a reminder of a story. It feels like everything holds a kind of magic because we have adventure together through these stories. And so we have all these frameworks that we're laying on top of everything. And it's just a really good way to keep us connected to our kids. Because when we are reading these stories, we're reading about deep things sometimes, usually, oftentimes, I try and and pick really dense books for them with really good virtues in in them for, for us to kind of wrestle with a little bit. But that's when the questions come out or when they might say, I connect with this person or she shouldn't have done that. That was, that was really bad, you know, and we'll say, well, why was that bad? And what do you think about that? And we have the opportunity to see what they're wrestling with that maybe they didn't know they were wrestling with or what they really want for themselves 
And I feel like that really is such a, a gift when you see that side effect. And that's the thing to me that makes them really love the books. We, we, we look at them so fondly now because of the memories that are tied to them. So as far as like practical, um, things we did is we, when we had story time, we wanted to make it a special time. We would maybe like candles, um, keeping them away from certain more like active bodied kids. <laughs> um, or um, we would create a nice cozy environment. We would have popcorn. We would have hot chocolate. We would maybe, um, maybe we would like be doing a little craft with our, like working with our hands or folding laundry happens too. But we would just try and make it an environment that felt cozy and connected where they were ready to settle in. It wasn't a, an environment they wanted to escape from. And um, also, as far as what books to pick, we had a spread of ages in our house. And usually when I would pick a book we would be reading all together, I would aim for like maybe right in the middle to the higher end of the age range. Um, I feel like that was important because if I went too low, I would lose a good chunk of the kids. Um, but if I went, I found that there was never, it never was bad to go higher the younger kids have always just impressed me with their ability to just pick up things that I did not think they could pick up. A lot of times when we pick books for our kids, we think, what can they read? What grade level can they read? And I think that being read to or, or reading aloud where they're not having to wrestle with decoding the words, you can go you have so many more opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, you, can, you can go much higher. I have read, we read Pilgrim's Progress with my kids. I was shocked that my seven, six, seven-year-old was listening to the unedited Pilgrim's Progress. We were reading it and pulling things out that I was missing. Wow. We went really slow with that book. <laughs> like I would, I would literally, it took us two years, but we would maybe do a page at a time and as I was reading it, they might be drawing a picture of what was happening. And, but the, the, I mean, that was a book that was, I mean, that was like a live-in family member <laughs> staying with us for two years. That book really stayed with us. And now it's one of our dearest books. We each have a special copy and we each have favorite characters. And um, so that's, that's been a big thing too, is I feel like making sure you're reading to the right level and on something they can all really relate to. Um, I guess on that note, I would also say, I, I also really like to make sure that my books are good quality. I say quality and quantity. <laughs> they need a lot of books, but I also feel like they need really good books. Um, I, it's so easy, kids do tend to naturally want junk, like, you know, junk food. They want like maybe what's easy, what kind of maybe is silly and, and there's maybe a place for those things. But I feel like when you're reading really quality books, that's when I started to see the changes in how they re really connected and related to those books. They became the, the deep favorites. They were the ones we really sat with and we like to read over and over again. So, um, and on that note, I feel like it's important to read books that, you know, mom enjoys too. I think that, uh, I mean, if a book is not interesting to me, 
I'm not going to be really excited to be reading it out loud. If I'm not laughing along with the author or if I'm not making observations, they pick that up and they can tell. And I think when they see that my interest is being sparked and I am loving it and connecting with it, then they want to connect with it. It's a way they can also connect to me. So I feel like it really pulls us together. And when we read those books, you know, I mean, I think of like Robert Louis Stevenson or Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. I can read those books and I can almost step aside and just kind of let the book speak for itself. And it's just so nourishing. So I, I love it. Um, so um, I, I kind of picked up and I remember when I first started doing, you know, doing um, school with my kids from some, I learned from some other moms, I tried to kind of glean, what did you do, you know, to make kids love books? What did you do to make it interesting? And I remember some of the things that really stuck with me was um, putting value on books. Like we spend our money on books. I mean, not all, but, but we do prioritize buying books. It's something our kids know that we do and we have them around. And when we get our spending money or birthday money, I'll say, oh, I wonder what I can buy. What books can I buy with this? They, they know that w- um, when you give books as gifts, it's a precious thing. We'll write special messages in the books. And when we, we even like, we will, when they were really, really little, I would always make a big deal about how we handled books. Like we don't just throw them on the floor. Like we have to be very careful. Like I, I just kind of created this atmosphere of books are special and books are precious. And so they're not like this thing that, you know, grandma buys, you know, when she doesn't know what what we really want for Christmas. They're really precious and special. And when people pick out a book for you, it's, it's, you know, it's a way that they're trying to relate to you. And so that was really a big part of it. And we also, um, another tip I got, I remember was something in the homeschool world called the art of strewing. Have you heard of strewing? I haven't. It's okay. So this is where, and, and, and kind of self-explanatory, but you're basically putting, bo- putting books everywhere. So I made sure that we had books like, it's kind of, it, our house almost got a little messy, but you know, on the stairs, there were books in the bathroom. I made sure there were books on the dining table. So if we, in the car, we have a, ba- a basket of books and each kid has their own and so everywhere they were, whenever there was downtime or just all over the house, they had opportunities to just kind of pick things up. And I wouldn't say, oh, you know, this is new or, you know, whatever. I would just kind of, books would just kind of show up and they would be here and they would just kind of walk over and look at them and pick them up and be like, oh, can I, can I look at this? And so I just made them very available. Um, and I think that that made a big, you know, impact on them. Just always, you know, seeing that that was kind of what was always around to do. Um, and then also, um, then there were books where I had them around and they would ask to read them. And I would try, I would try and create some kind of anticipation over the books too, where I would say, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe when you're a bit older, you can read that book. And sometimes it was not even really, I mean, Obviously, there are books that go up with maturity, but sometimes I was trying to just create this like inner longing 
um, you know, for them to be like, oh, when I'm 11, I can read that book. Okay. I would say, oh, this book. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. You, you, or you can read this chapter, but then you have to stop. And then next month you can read another chapter and they would have this like, oh, I can't wait, you know, to see what happens next. So I tried to create this, this anticipation that, you know, uh, that, that would give them this longing for more. Um, C.S. Lewis has this quote that I love. He says, I am not sure that the best way to make a boy love English poets might not be forbid him to read them and then make sure he had plenty of opportunities to disobey you, which sounds kind of funny, but it, it is really true. I feel like there's just this idea of, of, you know, creating a longing in for the books. And, um, I think that that it feels a little bit artificial sometimes, but it, it produces a real result. <laughs> like it produces a real desire and a love in kids. Um, and so that's, that's been huge for us. So um, I think those are the, those are probably the best, the best ways. And then obviously, ultimately um, kids will, you know, kids will do what they see. And so if, and then I guess circling back to why, why should mom read? Why is it a big deal that we read ourselves? Kids see that we model that. And if we prioritize reading ourselves, if, if they can say, my mom is a reader, my mom loves books. She's always reading books. There's something that you're, 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 you're saying it's valuable and you're creating a sense of, of culture in your home that kids just kind of tend to attach themselves to as well. I've noticed Um, when we all can love to learn and talk about what we're learning individually and then also together I think it just, it creates just this incentive to want to do it more, read more and be, um, be a family that reads a literary family. And so, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I'm excited to use some of those tips that you shared. I hope that you can take some of these tips home. I know I can. And join us next week as Chrissy explains to us how she chooses books wisely as a means to protect and provide a rich literary environment for her kids. I hope that today's episode has encouraged and equipped you to raise your children with eternity in mind. And remember, we are not doing this alone. As Christians, God wills us to will and to work for his good pleasure. We are trusting in the finished work of Christ, and we're empowered by His Holy Spirit. If this episode has been helpful to you, could you please write a review for other moms and share this podcast with your friends? For more information and the show notes, check out MissTeacherMom.com. And please join us next week for the Miss Teacher Mom podcast.